0: Hi, I'm John Wallace, and this is The Next Chapter. Today, I'm with Dr. Jim Burns, my lifelong friend and president of Homeward. Jim, it is, it's is—it's really good to be with you today. It is
1: good to be with you. I remember the exact day you took the presidency, You pointed to a God-first sign. I was in that audience, and that was a very special time. I got chills.
0: Yeah, I, I remember... Azusa Pacific College before it was a university, this small connected community of accountability really and deep friendship. Jim, I I remember being a freshman at APU and meeting you then. We both lived in Adams Hall. I was... uh, I was impressed that you as an upperclassman even noticed me.
1: Well, you know, my background is different than yours. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Um, You had two incredible uh, parents who loved Jesus. And so, you know, my experience was this became my spiritual um, sanctuary. Mm. And, you know, I didn't know every Bible verse, and I didn't have any of that kind of background. I'd become a Christian when I was 16. I showed up here late 17-year-old. So um, you know, it was life changing. I met my wife here. Um so Kathy and I look at this as much more than a an education. It was the thing that um yeah, it gave us a great education, but it did more than that. It actually gave us community, one of that being our relationship. It gave us um, an understanding of the Christian faith in a beautiful way because we really saw Christ uh, shown to us by some pretty awesome people that were around Adams Hall and some of those other places way back then. Azusa Pacific College, I haven't used the the C word for a long time. You know, I yeah. now use, of course, university too.
0: Yeah. You know, I remember uh, you dating Kathy, how really jealous I think the guys were on campus, but I think also a little perplexed that Jim Burns was dating Kathy. I think we were all wondering, how is this going to work? (laughs) And then it worked. It
1: did work. We've been married 44 years and uh, 17 days. So, you know, we got the days down um, and it did work. The funny thing was, John, at freshman orientation, I saw her and I said, I'm going to take her out on a date. And the two guys I was sitting next to, who I didn't know, they laughed and and, and was like, yeah, you're really going to take her out. And she immediately got a boyfriend. And we became, you know, just friends. But that was a good thing. And she'd always say to me, you know, what should I do with this guy? And I'd always say, break up with the scum. There's somebody better. <laughs> and uh, and finally, you know, we started dating and and uh, here we are today, you know, uh, still Excited about each other. Never a perfect marriage. We've said we have a high maintenance marriage, which is kind of a funny thing because we we end up writing on and speaking on that subject. But that's um, been great. And again, APU was so key in in every aspect of that memory. So you know, much much more than just an education. I'll tell you that much.
0: One of the stories I love is uh, your story that I've heard you tell a number of times uh, about you and Kathy and your first kiss. Remember that story? Oh,
1: great. Okay. Well, you know, we finally had uh, become an item, if you would. And man, I'd been thinking about that kiss for a long time. In fact, my mother gave me a Big Bird pillow um, when I went to APU, and I have no idea why she gave me this pillow, but, you know, I would practice every night on Big Bird. (laughs) And uh, and I don't know why I did that, but I'd close my eyes, tilt my head, you know, and give Big Bird a kiss. And uh, finally, it wasn't like she said you could kiss me, but I knew it was going to happen. We we're, uh, were at this party. It was a Christmas party. And I knew afterwards if I kind of took her to the side, I might get that really quick kiss. And uh, so I had been practicing for all these you know, months. So I actually closed my eyes, tilted my head, and placed my lips on what I thought was her lips. But I ended up kissing her on the right nostril. And I can remember driving. Now, back then, her dorm was up on a hill. It was called the Hillside Campus. It's not there any longer. And I was driving back to Adams Hall, going, "You missed her lips, you fool!" <laughs> I even came into my uh, my room. Some guys were messing around the room, and I just said, "I missed her lips." They said, "Whose lips?" I said, "Kathy's lips." And they said, "You'll never go out with her again," you know, because <laughs> I think they were also in shock that you know she had even gone out with me. But
0: you know, today we're married. So, you know, in some ways, our life is woven through with these seasons of adversity followed by these redeeming moments. I think that now that we are grandparents, we see that come full circle. There's no more redeeming moment than Looking into the eyes of our grandchildren.
1: I know, it's the greatest thing in, in my life. I mean, it's just it's just wonderful. Actually, we have our two grandkids living with us because we're in a little bit of transition with my daughter and her husband are moving. And so they needed some housing and I wake up every day. Today I, I had to leave early to a, to a small group support meeting and I was sad because I didn't get to hang out with James and Charlotte, you know. But I come home earlier, um, I'm sure you do the same kind of thing. It's just unbelievable how I you know, put my life around this and it's just, it's a great, Joy And really, you know, we have a phrase at Homeward that says, one of the purposes of the church is to uh, mentor parents and grandparents, and the parents and the grandparents uh, mentor their kids, and the legacy of faith continues. And for us, this is our first generation. I mean, our kids are our first generation, and then these grandkids are the second generation. And I'm so thrilled that, you know, we I dedicated uh, at our church— On Sunday, our little Charlotte, and you know, I mean, I just had tears rolling down my eyes, and it was it was such a moving experience for me to get to do that, but also going, wow, this is now second generation. I get teary eyed just thinking about it.
0: And here we are, Jim, in our mid sixties, our autumn years, the best years yet. I wonder what we would say to our eighteen year old self, knowing what you know now, what would you say? If you could travel back and talk to the young Jim Burns.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I think there's a couple of phrases that I've been thinking about. Um, One is actually marry well. Okay. Now, everybody doesn't marry. I understand that. But still, the vast majority do. And this generation, that 18-year-old, isn't thinking about marriage. And I wasn't either. You know, they're kind of meandering toward marriage. And that's fine. But very well. And I, and I feel like I made that decision with Kathy. I don't know that I knew everything about it, but I, I feel like, you know, we made some good decisions early on. And, and that was really, that's that's been, you know, one of the major factors of my life. But I would also say to that 18-year-old, I would say, you know, there's pain in life. And it's either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And so, you know, do life on purpose. Um, do life with God. Um, you can do it without God. It's obvious that, and we've all tried that. But for me, there is pain. But it's the pain um, for me of, of discipline, disciplining myself. You and I have spent hours talking about spending time with God rather than just picking up the newspaper first thing. Not that any 18-year-old even knows what a newspaper is. By the way, if you're 18, it's that little white thing that your parents used to read. Um, but you know, the point being is that you know I've, I have found that that discipline has has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way my life has turned out, and yet there's been pain in that, too. I mean, so there's pain in life. I mean, who thinks that there's not going to be pain? There is going to be pain. But we, there's a lot of pain and regrets, and you look back after all these years, and you go, wow, I, I, I might regret that if I would have gone a different way.
0: Yeah, boy, and I remember Mexico. <laughs> what a time we had. There were there were camps of students, high schoolers from all over America, and and I watched you work with them in those moments of – of them bringing to you their conversations, and in many ways, uh, the confession that they were wrestling with that somebody needed to hear. And, And I love that theme, that you are so much more than the mistake you're talking about, or the mistake you have made. Jim, I've seen that in you time and time again as you counsel and give your wisdom to students and families and parents. Talk about that theme you are so much more than your worst mistake. Well, a lot of us focus
1: on the bad stuff we do. How easy is that, you know? And yet the truth is, is that, you know, I think God looks way beyond that bad stuff. In fact, I was thinking about this, you know, uh, Jesus said to a guy named Simon, your name is no longer Simon, it's Peter. And it's funny because 2000 years ago, there was no one named Peter or Pete. I mean, that means the rock or the stone, but he kind of nicknamed him. But Jesus believed in him so much that he even became the rock or the leader of the Jerusalem church. and you know I, I just feel like that's that God that's God's word to all of us. Now he's not he hasn't nicknamed all of us by name that I know of, but you know, I think he believes in us and right. I think he wants right. the best person. He's willing to come alongside of us. and you know, just like with me with my little grandchild, I mean, he might do something kind of silly. I have a little grandchild named James, and you know, he does some silly stuff. Um, but you know I love him and I'm gonna pick him up and you know he's gonna skin his knee and I'm gonna say you know what everybody skins their knee you know and you know God even much more um, has such a much more loving attitude toward us than we think mm. and sometimes we have some weird you know tapes in our head from the past or whatever that you know he's some kind of big ogre who you know hates everything that we do that's not the case at all he loves us he believes in us he wants the best for us sure he builds boundaries around us why because he wants the best for us mm. Mm. and that's been one of the key messages of my life to to students there was a season of my life where i'd speak to about a quarter of a million kids a year and those those were wonderful years because I was trying to give them hope, but I would also say, frankly, the decisions you're making today will affect you for the rest of your life. You know, go say that to a 16-year-old. They're just trying to get through Saturday like sometimes we are. But the point being is that today, young people and even, you know, as we look at Millennial and Gen Z and whatnot, you know, and the people who are walking on this campus, the decisions they're making are affecting them for the rest of their life. And you know What's great about a place like Azusa, coming back to Azusa, is that APU actually helps them learn how to have the skills to make those right and wise decisions. Will they always make the right decision? No, but they have the skills to do that. And that's one of the things I learned, but it's still happening
0: every day. Homeward has grabbed a hold of a big, hairy, audacious goal to lower the divorce rate by 1%. Would you, would you talk about that? Yeah.
1: Well, you know what? We started looking at, uh, at kids because when I wake up, I'm still thinking about kids uh, how do I help kids here in the United States and around the world? And uh, and I realized later on as I got older that the most effective way for me to do that was to help their parents and help those parents' marriages as well. So we came up with a, with a thought. We just said one day, we're sitting around the table, and we said, what would happen if we could lower the divorce rate by 1%? And so we started doing numbers, and we calculated to 1.5 million kids
0: mm.
1: would, not be in a home where there was um, divorce. Mm. Now again, people get divorced today. I mean, st- like you said, stuff happens. And some of the finest parents I know are single parents and you know, I'm not putting them down. I'm just, they would be the first to say, it's easier when there's a mom and a dad. So Homeward started doing things in the world of marriage to to make that happen. Uh, We started helping young people figure out how do you you know if you're really in love? We started talking about healthy sexual boundaries and things like this, purity, stuff like that that's kind of old fashioned but very biblical. And then we started talking about getting ready for marriage because one of the statistics that blows my mind, this kills the 1%, is that if, and this is from the uh, state of Oklahoma, but it's worldwide now discussed, Thirty-one percent better chance that people will stay married if there's premarital education going Mm. on. So we created something called Getting Ready for Marriage, and um, twenty-five thousand people are running through it right now. It's a it's a book and a workbook and an online app. You know that's remarkable if we can do something like that. Just put out something called the first few years of marriage because what we find is that actually you know we always talk about the seven-year itch, but there's a four-year time when. When a force is going to happen, it's going to happen in mm-hmm. the first four years. Mm-hmm. And Seven Year Itch was a movie by Marilyn Monroe, and we all thought, oh, that has great you know, science about it. No, it was just a movie that they made up a name. But the point that I'm saying here, John, is that if you can build a foundation in those early years, I wish Kathy and I would have had that. I think some of our early issues in our marriage were because we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't lean into it or put any energy into it. And then refreshing your marriage. You know, We've had refreshing your marriage conferences here on this campus. We actually have one coming up uh, next year here at APU. And it's trying to help um, families Uh, come back together in terms of their marriages. A lot of us are child-focused or we get off on our jobs and other things. What we need to do is come back to making sure that the priority is God, our marriage, um, our children, and then our vocation. And refreshing your marriage reminds people of that, and we get a privilege to be in front of thousands of people a year doing that.
0: Well, thanks. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for being a part of this next chapter.
1: Thank you for all that you have done. I've often said to people that God raises up leaders uh, for each generation. I think you're one of those leaders, um, and I'm just so grateful to have done life and continue to do life with you.